June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Tonight, canceling some student debt. President Biden's big announcement, what it means for the tens of millions of Americans still paying for college years later. An entire generation is now saddled with unsustainable debt in exchange for an attempt, at least, at a college degree. Tonight, who is eligible? How will the president's plan work? CBS's Adriana Diaz has all the details. Plus, the critics tonight on the cost and why it doesn't address the problem or, for some, go far enough. Nearly two dozen killed in Ukraine after Russian rockets strike a train station. CBS's Deborah Pata is in Kyiv tonight, where the world is marking six months of war. The new move tonight by the federal government to get untraceable ghost guns off the streets. CBS's Jeff Begay shows us why these guns are so dangerous. This is a ghost gun. It's something that can be produced on a printer that you can get for less than $200. And we've all heard about the summer slump, but what impact did the pandemic have on America's school children? The startling details with CBS's Meg Oliver. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Wednesday night. 
Tonight, President Biden offers relief for millions of Americans burdened with federal student loans. The president pledged to wipe away thousands of dollars of college debt, and his administration is also proposing big changes to the repayment programs. The highly anticipated plan forgives up to $20,000 for individual borrowers following through on a campaign promise he made in 2020. The average U.S. household with student debt owes nearly $59,000. That's more than $45 million borrowers owe more than $1.7 trillion in student loan debt. Republicans are calling it a handout. Leader Mitch McConnell describing it as student loan socialism. Well, we've got a lot of news to get to tonight, and CBS's Adriana Diaz will start us off from Chicago. Good evening, Adriana. Good evening, Nora. When the president made the announcement today, so many borrowers rushed to find out their loan information that loan providers were overwhelmed. The president says his plan will help, quote, fix a badly broken system. My campaign for president, I made a commitment. I made a commitment that would provide student debt relief. And I'm honoring that commitment today. Those were the words 45 million Americans with federal student loan debt were waiting for. With today's announcement, the government is forgiving $10,000 in federal loans for anyone earning less than $125,000 a year, $20,000 for those with Pell Grants for low-income students. Anyone with federal undergraduate loans will have repayments capped at 5% of their monthly income, and the pandemic pause for loan repayment will extend to the end of the year. That temporary suspension allowed Dara Zucker from Florida to pay for her father's funeral. She owes about $39,000. If I did not have that money set aside, we would not have been able to bury him in the proper way. She says she's grateful for the $10,000 in relief, but says it does not address the high interest holding some borrowers back. Purchasing a house is not realistic. And we can't even begin to plan our wedding. While some progressives wanted full loan forgiveness, Republicans slammed the president's move. No one's paying off Arkansas farmers' tractor loans. No one's paying off their small business loans. No one's paying off their mortgage. But Arkansans are now going to be paying off the loans of students who borrow this money freely and willingly and now don't want to repay it. So the outrage over helping working people with student loans, I think is just simply wrong. But some economists say it does very little to solve the problem of skyrocketing college tuitions. Predatory for-profit colleges might tell students that they shouldn't worry about paying high tuition fees because they can just take out loans and those loans will get forgiven in the future as happened in the past. And tuitions keep rising. Nora, in 1980, the average cost of a private four-year college was roughly $5,500 annually. This last school year, it was more than 37000 Making it unaffordable for so many. Adriana Diaz, thank you. Well, tonight, a flash flood warning has been issued for parts of Mississippi after torrential rains caused evacuations, closed roadways and forced water rescues. The National Weather Service warns that more downpours are possible over the next couple of days. The Weather Channel's Justin Michaels is in Brandon, Mississippi. A retirement community in Brandon, Mississippi, was underwater today. Firefighters carefully led residents to safety through knee-high water after it poured into the Peachtree Village, trapping the senior citizens who live there. Days of torrential rain are pushing cities across the south to their limit. A flash flood warning is in effect for parts of Mississippi tonight. We've never seen a flood like this before, and uh, all I can think of is what am I going to do to try, try to keep it from getting any 
further damage in my house. Dave and Ovis Crum just moved in two months ago after their home of 34 years burned down. Now they're facing costly damage from the devastating rising waters. Our house burned March the 1st and we lost everything. So we bought this house and now it's, it's flooded. Flash flooding forced schools to close near Jackson and left drivers stranded in their cars. The storms are part of a system slowly making its way across the south. Torrential rain hammered the Dallas-Fort Worth area earlier this week, killing one. The I-20 corridor is again tonight under the threat of potentially flooding rains. As always, the best advice, turn around, don't drown. Nora. Justin Michaels, thanks so much for being there. Let's turn now to Uvalde, Texas, where right now the school board is holding a meeting to decide whether to fire the district's embattled police chief for his much criticized handling of the shooting massacre that killed 19 children and two teachers in May. CBS's Janet Shamlian is there. And so, Janet, what are you hearing? Nora, good evening. The meeting is just getting started here at Uvalde High School, and it's a full house. Board members considering whether to fire Chief Pete Arredondo, something parents here have been demanding for months, calling for his termination for what's been described as a botched law enforcement response. Arredondo is currently on unpaid leave. We've just learned that he is not going to show here tonight, but he's previously said that he did not think he was in charge on the day the shooting happened. And as this hearing gets started across this city at the schools, fences are going up, cameras are being installed for a greater security presence. Most kids go back to class here just after Labor Day. Nora. Janet Shamlian, thank you so much. Let's turn now to some breaking news in Ukraine, where at least 22 people were killed and dozens more injured in a Russian missile strike on a train station. The strike in eastern Ukraine comes six months after the start of Russia's invasion, as Ukraine marked its Independence Day. CBS's Deborah Pata reports again from Kyiv. As air raid sirens wailed across Ukraine, marking six months of combat today, Russian missiles pummeled a railway station in the Dnipropetrovsk region. This is our life every day, said President Zelensky. This attack is how Russia prepared for this United Nations meeting. Zelensky was speaking to the Body Security Council where he urged them to take control of the situation at the Russian-occupied Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, which has become a perilous front line. <laughs> Kyiv remains the defining symbol of Ukrainian bravery after Russia failed to capture the capital at the start of the war. Despite warnings for people to stay vigilant, many spent much of the day outdoors. When Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine six months ago, he thought he was going to have a swift victory parade on this very road. That came to nothing. And now, today, Ukrainians are celebrating Independence Day by defiantly showcasing destroyed Russian tanks. The blue and yellow of Ukraine was in prominent display, as was the country's dark humor when soldiers flew the flag towards Russian-occupied territories. And in Russia, where this is not even referred to as a war, questions are beginning to surface. I don't understand who needs this war, said Russian cemetery assistant Olga Graznyova. The mothers, too, keep asking, who needs this war? There's no end in sight to this war in which thousands have already died. President Biden will call Zelensky tomorrow about his latest security package. But Ukraine still needs billions more in high-powered weapons. Nora? 
Deborah Pata, thank you so much. Back here at home, 47,000 students in Ohio's largest school district are remote learning on their first day of school because their teachers are walking the picket line. Thousands of Columbus teachers are out on strike. Here's CBS's Elise Preston. Tonight, as negotiations between the school board and teachers union continue, drivers in Columbus cheered on picketers striking for a third day. Ohio's largest school district is now online only after the nearly 4,500 member teachers union rejected the school board's latest offer. Our children are our priority um, and we uh, will do what we need to do to uh, you know, ensure there's a resolution that's in their best interest. The union wants smaller classes and says teachers are working in dilapidated schools where water pipes leak, lead paint peels from walls, and air conditioning and heat are non-existent. We will continue fighting until we have safe, properly maintained, and fully resourced schools in every neighborhood. The walkout comes on the heels of a new report that found average weekly teachers' wages grew in the last 25 years by just $29 when adjusted for inflation. They need to do what needs to be done to get the kids back in school. Today, frustrated parents say virtual learning is a waste of valuable time. How are you all impacted? Um, basically, it's as if there's no education system at all right now. Tiffany Cammon had to scramble for her new kindergartner. It was, it was really stressful for me. I was up all late last night trying to figure out what to do. Down today marked the 23rd time both sides were at the bargaining table since this spring. And we're told today's session is lasting longer than expected. Meanwhile, the district says substitute teachers will continue to run remote classes until there's a deal. Nora? Elise Preston, thank you very much. We want to turn now to the Biden administration's efforts to crack down on untraceable ghost guns that can be made with just the click of a 3D printer. Today, a new rule went into effect mandating serial numbers and background checks, among other things. We have more now from CBS's Jeff Pegues. Cities across America are seeing surges in gun violence, some of it linked to so-called ghost guns. We're seeing them used in shooting incidents in New York City. Ghost guns, which can be assembled at home, don't have serial numbers, making them untraceable. Thomas Chittam was a top official at the ATF. Most firearms that are recovered in crimes are still commercially made, but these privately made firearms were a growing and significant source of crime guns. Law enforcement is counting on the new rule changing that. It mandates that ghost gun kits have serial numbers, and licensed dealers can only sell them to people who have had background checks. But no one in law enforcement expects the flow of ghost guns to be cut off. They are becoming the criminal's weapon of choice. Between 2016 and 2021, the ATF got more than 45,000 reports of privately made firearms being recovered during criminal investigations. They are being used in part because of the firepower. This is a ghost gun. At an ATF facility, we were allowed to demonstrate how ghost guns are being converted into fully automatic firearms. As long as there are people out there who want to commit violent crimes, they're going to find ways to get guns. This new rule should shrink one of those avenues that criminals have used in the recent past to arm themselves. 
There have been legal challenges to this new rule. Some have called it unconstitutional overreach. The group Gun Owners of America says the new rule threatens the privacy of law-abiding citizens. Nora. Jeff Begays, thank you so much. All right, students are returning to class, but many of them have fallen behind academically because of COVID. That story in 60 seconds. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Schools are back in session, but some students are still dealing with the consequences of the pandemic. CBS's Meg Oliver reports tonight on what's being called a COVID achievement gap. This summer, 12-year-old Taylin Carlisle has been seeing a tutor three days a week. Did you feel like you were behind the other students? Yeah, because my grades were really bad. Like students across the country, Taylin struggled with all remote learning during the pandemic. When your students returned in person, how significant was the learning loss? It was a significant loss. In Patterson, New Jersey, Talina Queen teaches 10th grade English at Eastside High School. They were not ready and didn't really understand, you know, simple things. Nationwide, students are slowly starting to gain ground since pandemic lockdowns. Research shows eighth grade students made up 8% of lost learning in reading last year, but it may take more than five years to completely catch up. While students across the board are behind, the widest gap seen in black, Latino, and low-income communities. Mass scores for black fourth graders declined 11 percent. For white fourth graders, they dipped 4 percent. Paula White is the executive director of the advocacy group Jersey Can. Our children were intended for face-to-face instruction. This is what is best for them, and so they have lost so much. How do you make up years of learning? high dosage tutoring to try to remediate some of what they lost in literacy as well as in mathematics. This one's bigger, right? Tutoring, along with summer and after-school programs, extended classroom time for math and reading are helping. But students heading back to school still face a long road to academic recovery. Meg Oliver, CBS News. This should be our country's number one priority. Up next, the U.S. military launches airstrikes on militias in Syria, and officials in Michigan identify the mystery illness that has killed dozens of dogs. We have some breaking news out of Syria. Officials tell CBS News that a small number of U.S. forces have suffered minor injuries after taking rocket fire from suspected Iranian-backed groups. The U.S. responded, killing at least two of the attackers and taking out vehicles from an Apache helicopter. All of this comes after U.S. airstrikes Tuesday on militias backed by Iran's Revolutionary Guard. Also breaking tonight, disgraced movie producer Harvey Weinstein has been granted an appeal in New York on his conviction for rape and sexual assault. 
Weinstein was found guilty more than two years ago and has argued that his trial judge made mistakes. He's serving a 23-year prison sentence. First Lady Jill Biden tested positive again for COVID in an apparent rebound case. She had taken Paxlovid when she first tested positive last week. A spokeswoman says the First Lady is showing no symptoms. The White House says President Biden is testing negative after also having that rebound case earlier. All right, coming up next, a team pilot breaks not one, but two world records flying around the world. Tonight, officials in Michigan have identified the mysterious virus that has killed at least 30 dogs. Animal experts confirmed today the disease is parvovirus. Not all the dogs were completely vaccinated. Scientists are now trying to figure out why initial tests came back negative for parvovirus, leading officials to wonder if it is a new strain. All right, a 17-year-old pilot flew into the aviation history books today. British and Belgian teen Mac Rutherford became the youngest person to fly solo around the world and the youngest to do so in a micro-light aircraft. The five-month trip took him more than 33,000 miles with stops in 30 countries. That's incredible. Well, we'll be right back with a pioneering photographer who made history by capturing a movement. Finally tonight, we turn our focus to a groundbreaking photographer's decades-long passion to capture beauty wherever he could find it, which is now getting a second look. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. This is him. This is Kwame Brothwaite is legendary for his work behind the camera. The now 84-year-old photographer and activist popularized the 1960s Black is Beautiful movement. Brothwaite's famous photos were celebrities. This is actually before I was born. But it's uh, this body of work his son wants people to see, to remember. So he helped create this exhibit at the New York Historical Society, documenting how his dad helped change America's political and cultural landscape. Black is Beautiful was kind of at the foundation of his work, and it's filled into the politics, it's filled into the art, the media. And Brathwaite illuminated black women during a time they were expected to hide their real hair and wear long straight wigs. He and his brother founded the Grandassa Models, celebrating natural black beauty. These were women from the community. They were activists. They were teachers. They were moms. They were scholars. What is it like for you to see his work being honored here? You know, it's a dream come true, frankly. It really is a story based in New York, based on kind of this group of individuals who had wanted to, you know, change the world. Although Brothwaite put down his camera four years ago, the message in his images will never fade. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. Stunning and powerful. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora Donnell. Good night. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. 
Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Here's a question always on the go. Yeah, you are. Now you can take CBS Mornings with you and we want to go. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews with today's leading figures in politics, business and entertainment in the CBS Mornings On The Go podcast. Available every weekday wherever you get your podcasts.